Thank you, Jill, and choir. It reminds us of Revelation chapter 21 and 22. And in, in chapter 22, Jesus says, And behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into that city. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin our service. Father, we thank you. Lord, as we look around us and we look at pain and suffering and struggle, um, 
Lord, we're reminded that this is not our home. And Lord, we long to be in that new city one day. We know that you will make all things new. But Lord, until then, we continue to worship. We continue to serve. Help us as a church to be faithful. Lord, even today, may you be honored and glorified as we have gathered here to praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. What's well, an honor to, wor- to wor- work <laughs> Worship and welcome. Let's do that. Worship today with you, and I want to welcome you to our service today. If you're visiting with us, uh, we would love to know who you are, know how we can answer any questions that you have. Before you leave today, we would encourage you to fill out a guest card. Um, That is in your bulletin, the care card there. You can fill that out and drop it in the offering plate back there or bring it down front. Usually our staff's available here at the front. If you have questions about our ministries or church, we would love to talk to you. Our phone numbers are in the bulletin. Please call us. Come by the church office. We are Uh, More than available, would love to answer any questions that you have, but if you are visiting, it's an honor to have you here with us today. And we're going to ask everyone, if you would, go ahead and stand. And if you haven't had a chance to speak to your neighbor, take just a minute and welcome them to the service. Guys, if I can have your attention, if you'll please be seated and direct your attention to the screen. I'm going to ask Casey and Brittany Arms to come forward with their son Eli, who we've already dedicated. And this morning we're going to dedicate little Easton. Casey, if you'll show everybody Easton. He's got good hair, people. All right? Good hair right here. Don't you love to see these kids with good hair? But uh, Casey and Brittany, I love you both. Love your families. You're near and dear to my heart. Um, their wedding was at Brushy Mountain Golf Course on Hole 18. I got a lot of bad memories on Hole 18, but theirs was a good memory. So what a blessing it is. But they come this morning to dedicate their child. And I want to share this verse with you out of, out of the book of Psalms. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man, Casey, who has his quiver full of them. Uh, and this morning you're going to make covenant a covenant as parents before um, this church and your family and the Lord this morning to raise Easton up in the fear and the nurture of the Lord. And I'm going to ask you a question. If this desire of your heart, respond by saying I do or we do. In presenting Easton to the Lord, do you promise through God's grace and the help of the church to teach your child the truths of the Christian faith? Do you also promise through prayer, word, and example to bring Easton up in the nurture, discipline, and instruction of our Lord? All right, church. Every baby dedication, I ask you the same thing. Uh, Many of you will have Easton in nursery, extended session, Awana, student ministry all the way up, okay, hopefully. And today, what we're going to do is make a commitment to share of our time, talent, and resources and our prayers to help this young man come to know Jesus, amen? So, So I ask you the same question as well, or a similar question. Do you promise to provide spiritual instruction for Easton? by giving of your time, talent, and resources to help him come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? And do you promise to pray for Casey and Brittany as they seek to raise Easton in the fear and admonition of the Lord? If so, would you respond by saying we do? All right, there's several things we want to get you, give you before we have prayer time. This is a certificate of this day. We have a Bible here. Um, we have the Lamb's Book. Now, I say this at every baby dedication as well. This is a great book for adults as well. It just explains the gospel and why Jesus Christ was perfect, sinless, and he had to die in our place and then rise from the dead. And it's, it's really good for children, but it's great for adults as well. 
be a good Christmas gift. If you have a lost loved one, you'd like to just give them a book if they read. It's excellent, so we give you that. And then as well, this is something I've been doing since I think 2005. This is a letter just for Easton. His brother got one as well. It talks about this day. It has the date about how his, children, how his parents cared enough for him to bring him before us, how you made uh, uh, a promise as well to pray for his salvation. And on the day of his salvation, whether he's four or 54, he can open this letter and it talks about how we prayed for this day, okay? So I give that to you and that's for Easton's eyes only and we're gonna pray for you now, okay? Father, as we come to you in prayer, I wanna thank you for Casey and Brittany. Lord, I'm honored to know them, to be their friends and friends with their family. Lord, I'm honored to be their pastor. And Lord, I pray for Easton today. And Lord, we pray for his salvation. Lord, we pray that you'd save him at an early age and use him for your honor and your glory. Father, I pray for uh, Casey and Brittany as a parent. Lord, I pray that you'd bless their marriage. Lord, I pray that you'd bless their health. Lord, I pray that you'd bless them as they try to lead him in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And Father, today we pray, all of the church prays that you'd save Easton for your honor and for your glory. And we'll thank you and praise you in advance for what you do. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. Well, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. God bless you guys. Thank you, Eli. You did really good, buddy. Thank you.
Thank you. As we come to this time of prayer, many of you probably saw the ambulance here uh, during the Sunday school hour. Uh, Myrtle Adams fell down the steps, unfortunately, and she's been taken to uh, Wilkes. I think it's Wilkes Hospital. Uh, we think it's her ankle mainly. If you will remember her in prayer. Um, also, we've been asked by uh, Ray Bruder's family to lift him up in prayer. The family um, has went down to Baptist. They really need your prayers. That's going to be the focus of this prayer time. They're a member of our church family. And uh, one of the greatest blessings we can give this family is to pray for them right now specifically, if you'll trust me in that. So as, as the choir and the praise team lead us, will you please come forward and let's lift Ray and Penny up in prayer right now. He really desperately needs your prayers, okay? Free Guys, if you'll just bow your bow your heads and close your eyes in prayer, will you lift up Ray Bruder right now and pray for God to touch his body in your own way? You pray for him. Pray for his doctors and his whole medical team in the ICU area there in the North Tower. Pray that God would give Ray peace that passes all understanding. Pray that through all the medicine and the physical pain that God would speak to his heart because he can do that. Now if you'd lift up Penny, his girls, his son, the extended family. He's got so many close friends here at the church. Then why don't you just thank God for his grace, for his presence for his mercy, for his goodness, for his ability. Father, we thank you that, Lord, we don't go through these things alone. Father, I pray that you'd speak to Ray as clearly as you speak to us today. I pray that he'd sense your presence. Lord, I pray that you would just guide these medical professionals at Baptist. Lord, I thank you so much for that hospital. They've been so good to him. Lord, I lift up Julie and Michelle and Penny and their brother. Lord, you just help them. Lord, I pray for his friends here. He's got such close friends here that are like family. Lord, that you would encourage them. Ray and Penny are so faithful here. They love this church and this church family. And Lord, we pray that you'd bring incredible good out of this situation. And Lord, we want to thank you that we can lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ during the deepest, darkest days of their life. Father, what a blessing it is to be a part of a church family that loves their brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, help us continue to lift him up, Lord, for Myrtle, Brian High. Lord, just the improvement that's been made there, we thank you for that. Lord, Martha Johnson, we lift her up to you. She's at Catawba Hospital. Lord, you touch and continue to help and heal her. Lord, she loves this church, and we love her and her girls. And Lord, you bless and help her as well. And Father, we're so thankful that we can spend this portion of our time in worship, praying to you, trusting in you, believing in you, to do good in the lives of your children. And Father, we thank you and praise you for it. And thank you for what you're going to do in advance. And we love you today, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you very much.
Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me yet Waiting for change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never failed me yet No, you never failed Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Faithfulness I'm still in your this is my confidence, you've never failed me yet. No, you never failed me yet, and you never will. I know the night won't last, your work will come to My heart will sing your praise, sing your praise. Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again, again and again. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never failed me. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. And I'm still in your hands. My confidence lies with you. You've never failed me yet. Oh, you're faithful, God. You never fail. And we worship you now. And I've seen you move. And I believe that you'll do it again. And you made a way. Oh God, I've seen you move.
Good song. Thank you guys very much. Um, as they're going down, if you will, turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. And as you're turning there, I just Justin gave me an announcement. Uh, the student ministry is really growing. We're thankful for that. I'm thankful for the job that Justin and Courtney are doing. But uh, they need help in, in, uh, on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights. So if you might think that that's an area of ministry you'd like to serve, if you will, talk to Justin either after the, well, not after the service today, but maybe uh, sometime this week. And uh, you can talk to him about what that looks like, okay? I was a student pastor for about, I don't know, about eight, eight years. And uh, the, the youth workers that I had were some of my best friends. And I couldn't do uh, hardly any of the things that I did uh, at the church I was at without them. So it's a great ministry to be a part of, um, impacting a teenager's life when it's such an important time in their life. So if you feel led to do that, please talk to him and... Um, and I'm sure that he would really appreciate it. Also, all the active deacons, as soon as the service is over, we're going to meet in the conference room, which is through those doors where we have our meetings. So if you will, as soon as the service is over, if you'll meet us in the conference room, I'd really appreciate it. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at one verse today because that's all men need. Amen. So if you'll stand with me, look at verse 7. Praise God for your husbands. The Bible says this. Now, verses 1 through 6 talked about wives, right? The context that Peter's writing in is this. They're, they're scattered throughout Turkey, Asia Minor, 750,000 square miles. Verse 1 tells us all the cities. Pagans are getting saved. Okay, Now imagine you have two lost people that are married and the wife gets saved. What a tremendous difference that is in the home. Now their culture is not even like ours. It was worse. Peter tells the wives this. Look, he's attracted not just to you, but to your soul. He says, he's going to see your soul, and he's going to love that. And he's going to see how you love Jesus and love him, and maybe he'll come to know Christ. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's what he's saying. Listen, all you young guys, look at me. Looks, if, if you marry somebody just because of how they look, six months into it, guys just shake your head. Just, you know, you need to be attracted to a person. Have you ever been attracted to a person's soul? I mean, you're in love with that person. Okay, that's what Peter says in verses 1 through 6. Ladies, that person, you, okay? He said, it's not how you fix your hair, the dress you wear, the shoes you wear, all that. 
okay? He's in love with you, and if he's in love with you, he'll be in love with the one you're in love with, which is Jesus, okay? Then he gets to verse 7, and he says this, Husbands, likewise. Now, here's the title of the message. This is where a lot of couples over time really struggle. Dwell with them. Look at the word dwell. It's got two meanings to it. Y'all are not going to like one, but that's okay. I didn't write the Bible, okay? With understanding, men, look at me. If you can understand a woman, please, I need counseling, all right? Okay, live with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife, men. That's what it says. As to the weaker vessel, that is not politically correct. You know what Peter's saying? Scientifically and spiritually, that men and women are different. And aren't you glad? When Adam saw Eve, he said, whoa, man. He's like, you're not like me, okay? And he was attracted to that person. He says, that's not an elephant. That's a whoa, whoa man, okay? And then he says this, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered, okay? So men, you have, a, I, I tell guys at every uh, wedding ceremony that I officiate, I'll say, you have a new responsibility now. It's a huge one, huge responsibility. Never had this one before. Okay, do it well. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for your word. We want to thank you for your grace. As, as Peter talks about, we're heirs of grace. Lord, we're saved because of grace. We're sustained because of that same grace. Lord, I'm so thankful that my past, present, or future sins cannot stop that or change that. Lord, help us be reminded as we talk about marriage, we're all weak, fallen sinners, saved by grace. And help us, Lord, as husbands and wives, to show grace, it's easy to nitpick, keep score, keep records, say things you don't mean. Lord, help us to grow up and be adults, all of us, me included. And Father, help us to, Lord, be attracted to a person's inner beauty. That's the most important thing, who that person is. And Father, help us to think about ourselves today. I don't want wives just thinking about husbands or husbands' wives. Help us to think about ourselves. How's our relationship with Christ? That's the most important thing. And Father, we'll just thank you for what you do for us. Thank you for your word. Word, it's amazing when we follow your word verse by verse, we can be helped. Lord, this is not my opinion. My opinion does not matter. This is not my conviction. My conviction does not matter. Lord, this is your word and that's all that matters. And Lord, I pray that you speak to us today and heal us, Father, for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said, Amen. Thank you. Maybe seated. Well, I preached this passage here, I think. I look back about five times. So if I share a joke or an illustration you've heard five times, just laugh. It helps me. Okay, we'll get done quicker. But think about this. The last section in chapter 2, Peter talked about submission, which is a hard thing, right? Submission does not mean obedience. It doesn't. Sometimes it does. The word submission means that as a Christian, I'm going to try to submit to your authority as best I can. doesn't mean I have to. It means I choose to as long as we're not disobeying God and things like that. And what Peter says is when it comes to the government, be a good citizen as best you can. Live peaceably in that government and submit as best you can. Okay? Peter didn't have a constitution. We do. Aren't you thankful? We have a constitution that governs our land. All right? We have a right to vote. Peter didn't. We have a right to put different people in office. Peter didn't. We have a right to complain. Peter didn't. Ed Killing. Okay? He, says, he said live as peaceful. He said live peaceably with all people as, as much as it relies on you, okay? Then he talked about in a, in a slavery type situation because they had slavery, 
And what Peter's saying is this, this situation is not going to change right now. So live peaceably with your master. And we related that to a work situation, right? Be, be as good an employee as you can be, you know? And if that don't work out, pray for you, pray for your boss and do all that. And then, he, then he used Jesus as an example. And he says, Jesus surrendered to God's will to the point that he was scourged. Study that sometime. He was spit on, okay? He was shamed. He died nude in front of his own mama and didn't open his mouth because he submitted to God's will for his life. And see, some of you, I would tell you to submit to God's will for your life. God has made you unique. He's given you gifts and talents. See, when Justin asked for help in student ministry, that some of you right now, that's you. Some of you, it's not. God has not designed and made Jamie Steele to work in the nursery. I'm not going to do it, okay? Not, that's not my, I'm not that guy, all right? Some of you are, aren't you thankful? See, have you submit to God's will? Then he gets to wives and he says, ladies, you're not going to win him by your words. It is not. So, just... Please. No. And then he gets to the men. He says, men, likewise. Guys, likewise. And this is what he says to the men, all right? He says this. He says, men, dwell. Show the, show the verse with your wives. Now, look at the word dwell. Okay, that's not my word. Okay, everybody look at me. That's not my word. I didn't write it. It means two things. It means dwell with your wife in two places, all right? The first place it says to dwell with your wife is in her, in your bed. That's what it means. As a matter of fact, one scholar says this. When you take the Greek word dwell there, it means to live with, and that Greek word was used for sexual relations in the Septuagint in Deuteronomy 22.13. You can look it up in Deuteronomy 24.1. These verses talk about husband and wife intimacy. And what Peter is saying is this. Husbands and wives are to be intimate. There's not an age limit to it or an expiration date. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 7, and let me just stop right here. Don't write me an anonymous letter. I love you. I'm an adult. Just come to my office and let's talk. But Paul says this, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations. He uses the word defraud, which is a, which is a legal term, which means you're committing a crime. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together, that's that word again, dwell, so Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Peter assumes that physical intimacy is an element of married life. How many of you guys remember the show, I Love Lucy? I'm going to age you. You can raise your hand. You know that when it ended, I think it lasted six seasons, and when it ended, it was the highest rated show in America. Do you remember when Lucy got pregnant? Do you realize that she got pregnant in real life because Ricky was her husband? And do you realize, this is how times were then, that they had a priest to come and sign off on the monologue because they didn't know if they could use the term pregnant. Remember that episode, Lucy goes to the hospital? Pretty funny. Do you, do you remember how Lucy and Ricky slept? Look. Ding, ding. <laughs> What's up with that? You know? I remember asking Grandma, why they got separate beds, Grandma? She said, it's none of your business, James. See? <laughs> Look at there. What a happy couple. Separate beds, everything's good. You know what Peter says? No, nah, that's not what the word means. It's not what the word means. 
Go back to the word, Michael. Dwell. You either believe the Bible or you don't. He says you're to dwell in the bed with your wife. That's what it means. Now go back to Luke, Ricky and Lucy. Trouble. <laughs> All right. I mean, just think about it for a minute. I remember watching that show thinking, they're always in separate beds. <laughs> you know, this is weird. But anyway, it worked for them. Okay, they were married in real life for about 20 years, and then they got a divorce, probably because they're in separate beds. But anyway, it also means this. Now think about this. Not only you're to live, dwell with your wife in the bed, but look at me, guys. You're to dwell with your wife in a house. Go back <laughs> to the verse. You're to dwell, go back to the verse, Michael, the verse before. Look, husbands dwell not only in a bed, but in a house. Look at me, young couples. This is what I'm going to tell you is going to happen in your marriage. Because so many of you now, you're growing up. See, my generation, we, I wasn't a homebody. If you had food, I'm spending the night with you. If you had a pool, I'm at your house. If you had cable and a color TV, I'm at your house, okay? I wasn't a homebody, okay? When I got married, I was ready to move out. I was ready to be gone, right? Okay? Now kids are so close to their family, it's a good thing. That when they get married, you, you take a son that's really close to his mom and dad, and they've just done everything together, and you take a, a, a lady, they're just really close, and they come together. You know what they don't know how to do? Live together. You just don't. I've counseled enough people. You know what I'll tell young couples? What you going to do from 5 o'clock to 9 o'clock at night? And they'll be like, what? Not really. What you going to do? You're either going to grow to love each other or hate each other. Who's doing the housework if you both work? I mean, it don't do itself. It don't in my house. I don't have one of them washing machines where to wash the clothes, then put them in the dryer, and then fold them, which is the hardest part of, of washing, and then put them up. So me and Renee have to decide who's going to do that. And she works just as much as I do. Okay, who's going to do that? You guys, you ever wash dishes? Yeah, I mean, you going to do that? If she works, I mean, is that her job for you to come home, sit in a recliner and watch Sports Center while she does all the work? Who's going to do the bills? Who's going to do that? And then when you pay the bills, if you both have, if you're at the point where you both pay the bills and you both have a job and then you have extra money, where does that go? Where's that going? You're going to hide it? You're going to talk about it? Jacob said he's going to. Yeah. Just saying, ladies, he's going to, okay? Now think about that. What are your entertainment choices from 5 to 9 or whenever you go to bed? You going to be in agreement on that? What, what time's bedtime? Okay. All those things, all those things. Can you live in the house with a person? See, that word, we have a word for housewife, but the word dwell means house husband, which is countercultural to Peter's day. Men didn't stay at home. They didn't stay at home. They didn't stay at home with the kids or the wife. They didn't treat the kids well or their wives well. I've shared this with you before, but I remember Joseph Stoll when he was president of Moody Bible College, such a good preacher, okay? He said that he lived in a neighborhood in Chicago where every man tried to outdo the other to have the greenest yard. He said, we tried. He said, he, he said he'd come home and his son was 12 at the time. He said, Dad, I, I'm, I'm trying out for the basketball team. Can you put up this basketball goal? This is a true story. He said, son, I'll get to it. I got to get to the yard. Okay, And he said, that went on for years. All right. Then he said one day he had a funeral for somebody at Moody Bible College, their son, who was a, who was a teenager. And he said that funeral procession went through his neighborhood. And he said all he could think about was his yard and his son. He said at the time his son was 18. And he said after that funeral he went home and he put up that basketball goal. And he said he got to, his son came home and he said, son, you don't shoot ball? And he said, 
I did when I was 12. His season had passed with his son. It reminds me of the song, and y'all know it really well. Listen to this. Cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When are you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. Cats in the cradle. Men, because men don't spend time at home sometimes. Men, you need, to make a, you need to make a commitment to dwell at home. I remember uh, hearing this story about Harry Chapin singing this song. And about, or this, history says this. One man said, I've been told that his wife, who wrote the words of this song, asked him one day when he was going to slow down on the toward pace of his life and get some time to their children because he didn't stay at home. He sung about it, but he wasn't at home. And this is what he said. He said, at the end of this busy summer, I'll take some time to be with him. And guess what happened at the end of that busy summer? He died in a car wreck. Men, dwell with your wives and your kids, okay? The second thing is this, is that he understands his wife. Men and women are not the same. They don't have the same needs. Look, he, he, husbands likewise dwell with him with understanding. That means you know your wife. Many wives could say that their husbands are blind and deaf when it comes to understanding their needs and desires. A man must discover the unique needs his wife has as a woman. And psychologists will tell us, uh, most of the studies that are done, men, here are the five top needs of a woman. Now, they may not be your wives, but look. Affection. Okay, that has nothing to do with sexual intimacy. It's just affection. Communication. All right, communication is more than, yeah, okay, Right, openness and honesty, financial stability, and family commitment. Needs, men and women are different. Look at that word affection. I heard about um, this couple called, the lady's name was Ethel, and the guy's name was Elbert, right? They're older, senior adults, right? Kind of Bobby's age, a little older. But anyway, they were trying to work on affection, all right? And they were laying in bed. Ethel says, Elbert, you remember when we were young? Used to rub my back. He said, yep. He started rubbing her back. She was liking that, okay? See, sometimes a back rub is just a back rub. But anyway, he goes on. She says, Elbert, you remember when we were younger and you used to play with my feet, with your feet? He said, yep. There goes Elbert, being the man, trying to be affectionate. A little while later, she says, Elbert, darling, you remember when you used to nibble my ear? He grunted. He threw the covers off and started walking off. She said, Albert, where are you going? He said, I'm going to get my teeth. So sometimes you got to do that, right? You just have to. If you understand her needs, you just, you just got to. Just keep them by the bedside, guys. You don't have to walk as far, all right? Now think about this. Not only that, but he will honor his wife. Look at the word. Look, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. And this is what Peter's saying. He doesn't matter what you think. He's saying men and women are different. And I like sharing this, and y'all have heard me say this probably 10 or 12 times, but they're just like cats and dogs. You know, look, think about this, cats. They usually do what they want, right? They rarely listen to you. They're totally unpredictable. They whine when they're not happy. When you want to play, they want to be alone. When you want to be alone, they want to play. They expect you to cater to their every whim. They're moody. They can drive you nuts and cost you an arm and a leg. They leave hair everywhere. Cats are nothing more than tiny little women in fur coats. 
Dogs, now listen to this. They lie around all day, sprawled on the most comfortable piece of furniture in the house. They can hear a package of food opening half a block away, but they can't hear you when you're in the same room. They growl when they're not happy. When you want to play, they want to play. When you want to be alone, they want to play. They're great at begging. They'll love you forever if you just feed them and rub their belly. They leave their toys everywhere. They do disgusting things with their mouths and they try to give you a kiss. They can look dumb and lovable at all the same time. Dogs are just tiny little men in fur coats. Aren't we different? What Peter is saying here without apology is that a, a husband and a wife, you're just, we're just different. And that's a good thing. Peter is saying this. He's saying, Peter is clearly telling men that they're supposed to treat women differently than men, especially their wives. Peter clearly states that the female sex is genetically and anatomically and inherently different from a man. And then he uses that term weaker. Look at the word. That's where everybody gets upset. That's a beautiful word. The Greek word basically means this. It relates to the fact that in general, in general, okay, the average woman is physically weaker than the average man. That's it. And that's why the man was the protector of the wife. Peter's not saying that women are intellectually weaker, morally weaker, mentally weaker, spiritually weaker, theologically weaker, weaker in their resolve or in their faith. They're just physically weaker. And in that day, that was important for a man to protect his wife. And what Paul is saying is this, you're to give honor to the wife as a weaker vessel by doing a few things. Number one is to treat that lady with respect. Do you realize that in Roman culture at that time, you could kill a baby girl or sell her into slavery as a prostitute if you didn't want a baby girl? Happened all the time. Christianity changed that. That's how orphanages started. Okay? The Bible said treat women the right way. God raised the bar for women and wives. In the Middle East, women walk as men ride. Women walk before men because of landmines. True story. Okay? The greatest advancement for women's rights and treatment is Christianity. Everywhere Christianity went, the, the, the advancement of women grew. History tells us that. Jesus treated women different in the Bible than others. Study his interaction with women. Women would follow him, kiss his feet, pour perfume out on him. And at the cross, the women were there. Why? Because Jesus treated them different. Not only will a man treat you with respect, but men, you must honor your spouse with your words. You're to treat your wife different. You're to talk to her the way you talk to her with your voice and your tone, and we all have weak moments, right? We all do. And I'll tell you, words stay. Be careful with that. It's hard. It's not easy. I'm not saying... And ladies, I tell you this. You know, when you get mad and scream and yell and throw the remote and dishes and stuff, I'm not... You probably don't do that. And you say, I just had a weak moment, and he says, I forgive you. Well, when he, when he has a weak moment with his mouth, just forgive him and don't, don't make a note of it. Don't screenshot the text. What are you, seventh, are you a seventh grader? Are, are we not older than that? Just forgive and go on. You're going to live in the same house for 30 more years. Okay? People always have weak moments. I always tell people this. If somebody's medicated at the hospital, I don't take what they say too seriously. I'm the best, best preacher in the world when some of y'all are on meds, right? Preacher, I love you. I love you too. Man, you are a good preacher. You know, I'm just like, they're on meds. Okay? All right? Or if somebody's extremely mad, a lot of times you just say things you don't mean. You just want to. You don't really mean it. You don't. People said things to me um, that I, I don't even take it to heart. You just don't mean it. But men do this. Treat your wives and your kids with respect with your mouth. You'll be remembered for that forever. Okay? It's not easy because we're human, right? It's not easy. And be forgiven when it comes to that. But honor your spouse. And then the final thing is this, and we'll close with this, is this. He will lead you spiritually. Spiritually lead your wife. 
Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together. Look, you're heirs together the grace of life, which means Jesus Christ, if he saved both of you, you can do that, that your prayers may not be hindered, men. And that look at the word hindered. That word is a military term for an army digging a trench in a road to stop the enemy's advance. It describes what Satan will do in your spiritual life. If husbands do not take seriously this seriously, Satan will dig a trench and your prayers will never get through. What he's saying is this. If you abuse your wife verbally or physically, don't be praying to God about it. There's nothing to pray about. All right? Treat your wife with respect. No husband may expect an effective prayer life unless he lives with his wife in an understanding way, granting her honor. Men is so important. Greg Laurie uh, said this. Too many men in Christian marriages are not the spiritual leaders they should be. At best, they are passive. At worst, they are actually hindering the spiritual growth of the family. Now, listen to me, men. You don't have to be Billy Graham, but do not hinder the spiritual growth of your family. You're the lead in that area. And I'm just talking about Sunday mornings. Aren't you thankful we can meet together, right, as a family? He says, yet no one can be a greater hindrance to the wife's spiritual growth than the husband or a greater influence to her spiritual growth. Men, choose today which one you'll be. And I shared these stats with you before. The typical U.S. congregation draws an adult crowd that's 61% female and 39% male. Isn't that something? This Sunday, almost 25% of married church-going women will worship alone without their husbands. Some of that's because of work. Midweek activities, which Wednesday's coming, about 70 to 80% of all participants are female. Okay? So why should we target men? Listen to this, men. If a father does not go to church, even if his wife does, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. Guys, look at me. That laying out of church isn't helping nobody. It's not. I don't care what you say. It's not helping nobody. It's not. I'm talking about an hour here. And if you're blessed to go to Sunday school, which I think you should be, you're talking about two hours of your week. And it's amazing. Look, listen to me. If a father does not go to church, even if his wife does, one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. Get off the lake, get off the golf course, get off the ball field on Sundays and get in church. Amen? I'm just being honest with you. This, I didn't write this. If a father does go regularly, regardless of what the mother does, between two-thirds and three-quarters of their children will attend church as adults. And 93% of the time, those kids come to Christ and they spend eternity with Jesus. What a blessing. Hey, I, this is not a bash your husband sermon. I've done plenty of those. I want to bless your husband sermon, right? I want you to stand with me, if you will. I'm going to ask your musicians to come. Look at this last slide. You want to know how to pray for your husbands? And I'm going to read these because it's hard to read. Wives, look at me. Uh, children, if you have a dad, all right, look at these. This is what you should pray for your dad, okay? Do you realize, look, pray for his day. Now look at number two here. This is real important. Pray for men physically. A lot of men have health problems for whatever reason. Some of it, a lot of it's genetic, okay? But also, look, pray for his mental health. Do you realize that a man is three to five times more likely to commit suicide than a woman? A man is almost 50% more likely to be in a mental institution than a woman. Men are almost 90% more likely to go to prison than a woman. Pray for your man's physical and mental health. Pray for his work. A lot of men, listen to, look at me, a lot of men go to a job they hate because they provide for you. Would you not please pray for that? 
show respect to your, to your husband for working hard, doing jobs they don't want to do. Men do the most dangerous jobs on the planet because nobody else will. And you should honor that in his life. Pray, pray that he'll be obedient to the Lord. You should pray that. Pray for the challenges he's facing. Pray for his fears. Listen, ladies, if your husband has issues, don't share that with your girlfriends. Why would you do that? Pray for him. Talk to him about it. Work through it. All right? And then look at this. Pray for his fears. He has them. Pray for his spiritual walk. Pray for his decision-making because he's the leader. All right? And then pray for his role as a husband, father, and leader. So I'm going to pray for us. And Sharon's going to lead us in a song. And you don't have to come forward. But I would encourage you in the quietness of this moment to pray for the man in your life. Because they need it. They'll never ask for it. They're not. But they need it. So let me pray for us. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. I want to thank you, Lord, for your word. What a blessing it is. Lord, we all fall short. I know I do. But Lord, I pray for every man here this morning. And, and Lord, there are many young men here today It's going to be a husband one day. Lord, I pray all these things over his life, that you would help him. Lord, I pray that you would help me. Lord, I'm so thankful that you know all about us and you love us anyway. Father, help us to be more like you. Father, if there's anyone here today who's never placed their faith and trust in you, I pray that today they would be saved. Lord, I've heard of many people watching online who have come to know Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you for that. Lord, we've all broken your law. Lord, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, but Lord, your word says that whosoever calls upon you in faith will be saved. So Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, we lift the, all these things up to you in prayer, and I pray that this invitation bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As Sharon leads us in this song, you pray or you come forward, whatever you want to do. I have decided to stand there. I'm going to ask my good friend, uh, Dana Beach, is coming forward. She's making that long, lonely walk, guys. She's going to join the church this morning, so come here. I love her. Dana and I, we're related. Also, we worked at Taylor King Furniture. Her mom and dad founded the place, and we worked there for years, and I love her dearly. She's been coming here for quite some time, and she wants to join East Taylor Baptist Church. She's been saved and baptized. So do we have a motion to accept her as a member? Do we have a second? All in favor, say aye. All right, Dana, I'm going to give you a brick, which means, men, you're the same here, okay? And, um, and I, love, uh, I know you want to come by and shake her hand, but Dana, we're glad to have you here. And I love you, girl. So happy for you. So let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Real quickly, real quickly before we dismiss, deacons, if you will, uh, when, you get, when, you, when, you, when you can, let's just go over to the conference room. Uh, we have a very important meeting over there. Also, Dana, you just stay here. I want y'all to come by and shake her hand. Welcome to East Hills Baptist Church. We're on a regular schedule tonight. God bless you. Hope you have a great Sunday afternoon. And hope to see you back here tonight. People.